Did you know using your browser in incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? Take back your privacy with IPVanish VPN. Just one tap and all your data, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be instantly protected. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. Use IPVanish on all your devices, anytime you go online at home and especially on public Wi-Fi. Get IPVanish now for 70% off a yearly plan with this exclusive offer at IPVanish.com audio. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Drag up that diesel. What's good? Welcome to the Pigpen Podcast. I'm your host, Denton Day, at the Denton Day on Twitter. It is a very, very big week here in the district. It's been a great past few weeks. Big wins over Pittsburgh and San Francisco. The energy has been infectious here, at least in my household. We're exceptionally excited, and we got a big, big podcast for you planned today. I kind of deviated from my normal schedule with the recap and then the preview, and we kind of condensed a little bit all into one uh, because former Seattle Seahawks linebacker, the great Lofa Tatupu, is going to join Join us on today's episode, preview a little bit about the game this upcoming weekend, and also some really great insight um, from Lofa himself as a player. You know, he was part of some teams uh, that did some really, really special things, particularly the one in 2006, which I know we don't like to talk about it that much because they beat us, and I'm still a little upset about that, but uh, he had some really great insight on win streaks, which I think is going to be a really, really uh, important piece as we are of course now on a win streak of our own so I won't I won't tease you any longer we'll jump right into the conversation with, with Lofa and then we'll preview the game on the other side so without further ado here's the conversation with Lofa Tatupu. 
Pumped now to welcome on my next guest. A lot on the line this weekend between the football team and the Seattle Seahawks. We are trying to stay atop the division race in the NFC East. Seattle can clinch a playoff berth with the win. Joining me now is former All-Pro linebacker, three-time Pro Bowler, Lofa Tutupu. He's the co-host of the Believe in Seahawks podcast with the Believe uh, Podcast Network and the co-founder of Zone In CBD. Lofa, appreciate you jumping on, man. How are you? Good, brother. Thank you for having me. So fill us in a little bit, because last week the game with Seattle and the Jets was on the same time that uh, we picked up the win against San Francisco. So if you could fill in my listeners, what did you really take away from a an absolute shellacking uh, of the Jets last week by Seattle? I mean, offensively, they had everything going. And, um, you know, that was great to see because they had had some, you know, some tough games in the last month and a half or so without – Chris Carson and I really think you know the Hawks can go as far as he'll take them and that depends on his health we haven't had him for the last few postseasons he's had an incredible regular season in 18 and 19 and then he's been hurt for for the the postseason each time so if uh, if we can keep him healthy I think we can go a long way because it just opens up a lot of things for Russell when defenses have to respect that play action and um, and so we saw that you know, not many people are talking about it, but, you know, Russ threw for four touchdowns again, and uh, <laughs> it's just become kind of a norm. So it doesn't get looked at as much as it, you know, it used to uh, in previous years. And defensively, anytime you hold a team to three points, uh, the first drive was a little alarming. They, they went up and down the field real easily, and then luckily we limited them to three points. But um, that hopefully it set the tone that, you know, just we can give up three because if, if a team, if we don't, the team doesn't score six on us. It's going to be hard to keep up with Russ in that offense. But um, we were really we shut down that run game that they got going just a week prior, and um, and we we did fine, you know, against the pass too. I think it was a hundred hundred or so yards for for Donald. So it wasn't anything um, anything big on that end. Now, from a mental standpoint inside of the locker room, how big is a game like that? They had just come off a game against New York where I'm sure they, they look back and say, all right, this is a game we should have won. It didn't pan out that way. How big is a game against a team like the Jets, who we know are atrocious and really not trying to win, but to get back in a rhythm and be in a good spot on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball? Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely good for the, for the psyche and in the, in the momentum going uh into the, the last few weeks of the season and towards the playoffs, you want to be playing your best. And, you know, you got to give them credit because it's a team that they, they should have handled easily and they handled them easily, you know, and, and there's, there's no easy games in this, in this league. I mean, the Jets were one play away from, from beating Las Vegas, who is a quality team. They, they have a chance at the postseason still, but, you know, they had nothing to lose coming into this game other than the, the game, like they lost 12 times prior. So um, that's what makes them so so dangerous in that last matchup. And the fact that the, the Hawks went in there with the right mentality, stood up to that challenge, and, and seemingly just took away everything they could do, um, that bodes well for the team and their confidence going forward. Now, one of the bigger storylines from the national perspective surrounding Seattle is Russell Wilson in general, but then the side story is his, his trademarked Let Russ Cook. And I was talking to a guy that worked out in Seattle a few weeks ago, and he was telling me there was a little bit of polarization on some people being very much pro Let Russ Cook and then kind of uh, a group that's a little worrisome. Where do you stand on the Let Russ Cook, both the trademark and kind of the mentality it has from the team? 
I love it all. I mean, this is a guy that has not gotten one single MVP vote. Can you believe that? In nine years, not one single MVP vote. And he's played some phenomenal ball, even one of them being a Super Bowl championship team. And then the other one, um, a runner-up in, in 14. So to, to think that the quarterback of such teams would not get one single vote, I'm all for the trademark. I am for the actual action of him cooking <laughs> on Sundays on game day when now there is one caveat to that when he has a run game it's um it's tough to do it no one does it all by themselves you know as much as they want to praise Aaron Rodgers and Mahomes I mean there are a ton of weapons out on that field for those guys too um, especially with the running game they have and so when you take that away from a quarterback it is nearly impossible to, to sell the fact that, oh, we're going to hand this off. Because, you know, no one, they don't believe it. They're like, okay, well, if, they, if Russ doesn't have a run game, he's throwing it 50 times. And by the way he played in the first five games, even the first half of the season, he earned every right to, to have that moniker and then to also, you know, be allowed to, to throw the ball 40, 50 times a game. It was incredible what he was doing. And so I think, you know, the law of averages and, and also playing some, some great defenses like the Rams and, um, you know, it's your, your numbers are going to come down a little bit, and, and that's what would happen. So I'm still very much on the let Russ cook. I hope he does, and, uh, you know, that's where I stand on it. So we got a big game this upcoming weekend, Seattle traveling here to Washington. When you look at this matchup on, on paper, what really jumps out to you in terms of matchups that favor Seattle and, on the flip side, matchups that might favor Washington? Um, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. I haven't seen enough of Washington, um, but I have, I've seen enough in the regard that I don't want to see that, that front seven of theirs. I mean, <laughs> my God, they, they got like five first round picks, um, a linebacker that's very special and near and dear to my heart, Kevin Pierre Lewis. I got to coach him. He's an absolute stud. He's a beast. Um, so they have no shortage of weapons over there. And we saw that New York giants who, I think they were good. They were very good front seven, but they're not as talented as Washington. And so that has a little concern because Giants gave us all we could handle, you know, up front, um, you know, in that game. Have you got, I know you haven't gotten able to watch a ton of Washington itself, but have you followed the, the young career of a guy like Chase Young at all? I watched him ever since he was at Ohio State. And when everybody was talking about Nick Bosa, I was like, who is this monster on the other side <laughs> that just makes play after play? And, and then they were like, oh, yeah, it's Chase Young. He's a true freshman. I was like, my God. And uh, I think he had – it was at Penn State where it was a fourth and one, and he just shot the gap and destroyed the running back. And I was like, man, I don't know who's going to get this kid, but, you know, he's going to be a phenomenal player for many years to come. And, uh, I mean, he's special. All, you know, all of them. And then this, you guys – you guys aren't even utilizing one of my favorite players of the last decade, Ryan Kerrigan. This is a guy that I don't think ever gotten enough respect for, for the job he's done. Every year putting up at least seven, eight sacks. Um, you know, I think I think he needs he needed a flashy sack dance to get into mentioned into the, you know, MVP, you know, race. But it was actually a guy when rumors were starting to swirl around the trade deadline, I was hoping we were gonna land. I can say from our perspective, I'm very glad you guys did not land him because we love ourselves some Ryan Kerrigan here. Yeah, I mean that guy. That guy's special too. And um, so yeah, that uh, 
But but back to your point with Chase Young, yes, I have. I've been following him, you know, since he was he was a freshman at Ohio State, and my God. So from an offensive line perspective, you mentioned that front seven. They, of course, had the issues that you you alluded to with New York. How do you scheme against that? Does it come into to tight ends and running backs helping out in the pass protection, or is it more about Russ getting rid of the ball quicker and not taking time and kind of making you know chicken salad out of chicken? You know what? <laughs> yeah, it's a combination of things. You know, you have to at least try to establish the run. Um, is it going to be easy? Is, no. Is it possible? If it's if it's the right day for us, you know, I mean that that's uh, we'll see how committed they are to loading that box you know i know they are worried about Metcalf and lockett um, and the receivers that we have in tight ends but um if we can get the run game going it's going to help open things up and then i think you got to get the ball out quick at least early is just whether you're going empty to try to see where they're bringing pressure from or even if they're bringing pressure but some three-step and quick game just get the ball out and get some easy quick completions and get these big guys tired you know um, I know they're young, so they probably don't tire easily, but get them, you know, getting into their rush and then, you know, retreating out of the, you know, the pile to go try to chase down the ball carrier. Um, that's, that's why I think you maybe limit the damage they can do. Now, you mentioned DK Metcalf, and he has been one of my absolute favorite guys to watch this season. What is the biggest step forward you've seen him take from last year into this year? It's uh, his, his, his route. Um, the diversity or just doing more than just the go route last year it was like hey you know what just throw it up Russ I'll go get it and now he has added all of the route tree to his uh his repertoire and he's I mean he's even the best corners Stephon Gilmore just came off player of the year MVP I still believe he's one of the best and he had his hands full against DK um Patrick Peterson one of you know the decade's best corners everybody seemingly is at it and I can't wait you know I'm looking ahead of the fan I know the players don't but I can't wait to see what happens the second go around against Jalen Ramsey you know in LA when they come to town next week uh so um his ability it's not just uh jump ball catching which it seemed like it was his rookie year uh his yards absolute catch has gone up his uh, it's been incredible and I think my most the thing I'm most impressed about is his attitude week in and week out when it doesn't seem like it's his day, take it back to the Arizona game, the first time we played them, the Monday night or Sunday night, which was all out slugfest. He just turned around and he wasn't getting the ball, but he turns around and on the interception, he makes a, you know, he go, runs down Buda Baker and makes one of the greatest, most spectacular plays we've seen in a long time. <laughs> he didn't he didn't throw himself a pity party on the sidelines. He was like, hey, let's just keep going. And in fact, he even almost won the game with a hitch that he took 55 yards in overtime before it got called back for a holding. So uh, for a young player to be able to, to have that kind of perspective and just do whatever it takes to win the game for his team, that's special. And um, that's what I like most about him, you know, on top of his toughness uh, that he displays week in and week out. So is there a way that, that he can be stopped? Or, or is it more of a he's going to get his and you just kind of got to corral everyone else offensively? Uh, if you get to Russell first, that's the only way. Because even if, if Russ puts it in the air, I mean, these 50-50 footballs, are, they're looking more like 70, you know, 30 or 80-20 in his favor. It's um, incredible how he high points the ball, works back to it. And, um, you know, I, 
I, you didn't. You wouldn't think he could have gotten better from his rookie year with how dominant he was, and he has. And so, um, it's going great. And you guys have a pretty good uh, second year receiver yourself in McLaurin, huh? Oh, I love him. Those those two guys, I'm telling you, DK and, and Terry are going to end up running this league at the wide receiver position in years to come. One of my friends is a he's a huge uh, Washington football fan, and he's like, "Hey, what do you think about Terry McLaurin?" And I was like, "Who?" And and as no disrespect, Terry, if you're listening, it's just because I don't get any of your games. But then I went and you know because I look up the numbers, so I went to the numbers, and he was he was beating Metcalf and Brown all last year except for yards. I think AJ Brown had them both, and and I mean you got to look at it, the fact that you know Terry hasn't had one quarterback his whole career, right? No. They've been Nixon and Allen, they've been Nixon and Smith. It's, it's really incredible, and, and Haskins. It's incredible what he's been able to do. So, uh, you know, I can't wait to actually really watch his game, uh, you know, this Sunday. So you had mentioned uh, about DK. You as a fan are looking forward to his next matchup against Jalen Ramsey. Well, if the cards fall right, there's a potential that we could see this weekend's matchup again in the in the first round of the postseason. Is that something as a player when you're preparing for a game late in the season? Does that get mentioned at all throughout the course of the week, or is that just kind of the elephant in the room? No, it doesn't. But it is exciting, at least for me, when uh, when I used to play, um, because that means we already get a glimpse at our you know upcoming opponent when we get to the playoffs. You, you take it one game at a time, as cliche as it sounds. You do that, or else a team like New York a couple weeks ago you know creeps up on you and walks out of here with a win. But you know having that kind of you know picture of what their strengths and weaknesses are and how they're going to attack you. So I know if we play the Giants again. It's going to be a lot of that gap trap power and pulling guards for, for their run game. And they're going to try to get that going. And, and really, that's all they have. So, you know, if we play them again, I'm excited to just shut that down and then, you know, get the rest of the game going. But um, it seems like, especially with the NFC East, we're, we're playing the first place team every time we play one. Like right now, you guys are at first. Back when New York, they were in first. And then before that, Philly was a game, a half a game in first when we played them. <laughs> so it's very similar to the uh, 2010 season when uh, I was, we were in the NFC West and we, we had a losing record to, uh, to go to the playoffs. But again, no one gave us a shot. We went in and we beat the, uh, the Saints in that first round uh, wild card uh, playoffs. So I do want to touch on that season coming up here in just a second, but we are in the midst of a win streak. We don't get those very often in 2006, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but you were on a, the team that ended up winning 11 consecutive throughout the course of the season. When you're in the midst of a win streak like that, what are the little things that start to change on a day-in, day-out basis? Um, you know, it's, it's a lot of work and you know a lot of chemistry, but I think from what I remember, it was the 05 season, my rookie season, and we won 11 straight, and um, there's just a sense of confidence. You know, they're like, hey, you know, we're not going to lose. Like, we can't lose. And that's almost how it becomes when you when you hit a streak of that magnitude. It's especially when you get to those late games where there's like, you know, it's a one-possession game with five minutes to go. You need to stop or you need to score. You know, either side felt so confident walking onto that field to get the job done because we had done it 10, 10 previous times. And – and so that's why, you know, even when we walked into the 
the the postseason, you know, we the first one was against Washington, and uh, that was a team that had beaten us in overtime at uh, at, at DC. And um, and you know, everybody was saying, "Oh, Washington's going to have their way with them again," because they were they were a great defense, and and they had a great run game uh, on offense too with Torres. Well, we won that game, and then we went to the next one and blew out. Carolina Panthers, who everyone had them picked to beat us again. And so that confidence just continues to build. And when you do that, that's what puts together, you know, championship teams. All right. So you mentioned 2010, and you are the first person I've ever got to talk to that was in the stadium playing in the game uh, during one of the most iconic plays uh, of my generation, the beast mode run, the beast quake. What do you remember specifically from that play and the seismic event that it triggered in Seattle? Everybody asked me about this, and the sad part is I don't remember anything. Oh. I, remember the, <laughs> I remember the eruption of the crowd. I'm going to tell you why I don't remember. I had three hits during that game, and any one of them would have put most guys out. I played through the other for the first two, and on the third one, me and Julius Jones knocked each other out. <laughs> And we, we both, after the game, it was crazy. We had to sh- we shared an ambulance together uh, to the <laughs> to the hospital. And we're both like, what are we doing here? And we're like, what are you doing here? We didn't even know that we had hit each other. But so I'm on the sideline and the, you know, you heard, oh, oh, here we go. And then all of a sudden, just a total eruption on the third or fourth, you know, stiff arm that rushed on through, through some of the ground. And I'm talking just things flying in the air. And I'm looking at the dock. I don't have my helmet. I'm like, yo, I know I'm at a football game, but what is happening right now? What did I miss? <laughs> and it was Marshawn going 67 yards through an entire defense. And, I mean, watching that in hindsight, he's had a couple, you know, iconic runs like that. But that, that one sealed the game. And, you know, it was incredible. All right, Lofa, so I'll get you out of here with this. Post-football, you are doing a lot of really great stuff. You're the co-founder of uh, Zone In CBD. Can you tell me a little bit about the company that you got going on there and why you decided to make uh, that transition in your post-football career? Yeah, I mean, I'm blessed and lucky to have found it. Um, You know, football, it was good to me until it wasn't. Uh, The first three years, three Pro Bowls, um, a couple divisional titles, it was amazing, right? And then injury after injury, talking about 10 surgeries, 15 plus concussions, you know, over the course of my career. And um, I didn't realize how traumatic it was, not just physically, but the toll it took mentally and emotionally. And, um, you know, I think that's something that a lot of people don't see. And so when I got out of ball, you know, literally when I crawled away from ball, I didn't leave there walking, (laughs) I crawled. Um, I found CBD around 2015, 16, and I started my journey because I kept hearing great things about it. And then, um, you know, I had a full life transformation in terms of health and wellness, and I couldn't believe it. You know, especially they say you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I was overweight. I was having a tough time getting out of bed physically and even mentally, you know. And then I started taking it, and within a week or two, I started having less inflammation. I started, you know, just feeling better. Um, and mentally, that voice in the head, that, that competitive, you know, voice that says, you know, yes, we can, we can do this, it started coming back. And that's, when that comes back, everything else falls into place. So I, you know, I owe my life and, you know, my life's work going forward will be to sing the praises of this plant and continue to help people on their 
journey to health and wellness and finding discovering their best selves. So uh, you can find out more about us at zoneincbd.com. Um, we're doing some, some great things and, and helping some people change their lives, man. And final thing here, have you seen a, a lot of guys kind of start reaching out to you now that the NFL is starting to take a much more, I would say, smarter stance on, on the use of CBD and having it, the, the their um, protocols being a lot more lenient and allowing guys to utilize the advantages of it? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and they should. And, um, you know, the, the, the misinformation and the stigma that's out there on on hemp and cannabis, you know, the only difference between the two are the levels or amount of THC. And I understand because THC is not federally legal, but this is hemp derived, which is zero. It has to be 0.3% throughout the whole batch or less, meaning there's no psychoactive high. There's no, there's no, none of that. None of the, the, the stigma that comes to THC and for, for the NFL to not, you know, really embrace it is, is really doing an injustice to these players who, I mean, with this, they'll put out a better product talking about the players because I know, and I've been there. And when they walk away, the players won't have as many problems as they did, you know, when they're in the eye of the storm, when you're, when you're in that, when, when every day throwing your body into another person, you know, at 20 miles per hour, you know, that's not normal. And there's going to be some consequences and repercussions that come from that and this i believe can help them through that while they're in it and when they're going or walking away from it like i said you know you don't have to be a football player to use this mentally and emotionally this has repaired me you know more so which has helped my physical health fall into place so uh, you know i'm really excited about where where we're going as you know a society because i think this is going to this is going to help a lot of people it's going to you know change the world in terms of not just how we treat others, but how we treat ourselves, most importantly, uh, because then with that, if we get ourselves right, we're going to be better for everybody else. Lofa, I greatly appreciate the time, man. You've been exceptionally generous. Enjoy the football game this Sunday, and I'm sure we'll catch up again soon. Yeah, hopefully we see each other in the playoffs, right? And uh, <laughs> I'll come back on, brother. Fantastic stuff there from Lofa. Super, super awesome guy. Be sure to go give his, his podcast a listen if you're in the market for uh, the Seattle perspective uh, of the game this weekend. Uh, but he had some, some things to say that I, that I want to touch on and kind of look at it from our perspective. And one of the things that when you look at this matchup, the thing you're circling is Russell Wilson, and for obvious reasons, right? At one point this season, Russ was not only the front runner for the MVP, but he was on a wicked pace in terms of touchdowns he was going to throw. I think at one point, he was on pace for 75 touchdown passes, which is just utterly insane. And it's one of those things where you knew that wasn't going to to hold the entire season, but it was still through about four games, there's three or four games, he was on pace for 75 touchdowns, and that's a ridiculous stat. But what we have seen recently in particular when it comes to Russell Wilson, and this is something that I think our team has to really take advantage of, is that Russell Wilson and the Seahawks 
aren't really good when he throws more than 35 times. The sweet spot for him is in the 30s, but not eclipsing 35. They're 2-4 and four in games where Russ has thrown for over 35 times during the ballgame, and one of those wins was against Dallas when Dak Prescott got hurt. So if you're looking at a weakness offensively for Seattle among the, the poor running game, it's making Russ do all of the work. And I'm curious to see how our you know, top-rated pass defense, which the numbers don't lie a ton. I don't really know how to how to look into that. I know our pass defense is good. I think they've been surprising people, including myself, in the way that they perform. But I know they're not the absolute best pass defense in the world. We just happen to have a really good pass rush. So I'm curious to see how they defend a guy like DK Metcalf because, quite frankly, he is an absolute headache. I mean, he's a fun dude to watch for sure, but he is an absolute headache to defend so I'm curious to see how we defend that but what I'm optimistic about is that Seattle is going to need Russ to do a lot to beat us especially the way that we are playing right now because they struggle to run the football and just based on what I have seen this season the entirety of this season I do my best to keep up with all the teams I'm sure you know this by now and one of the teams that I've always been very curious in is Seattle because as Lofa mentioned Russell Wilson doesn't get a lot of whole lo- a lot of love in the MVP conversation, which is completely egregious. But I like watching Seattle, and what I've noticed is that their run game isn't good. And you can look at the numbers, and the numbers will tell you, hey, the run game for Seattle isn't good. I don't expect that to change against us. I know our run defense of our you know, of the the size that you measure defense in our run defense is the weakest link on our defense. But I am not anticipating that we are going to give up a career day to Chris Carson or whoever it is that happens to be in the backfield with Russell Wilson. That's not how I see this game unfolding, which means Russ is going to have to throw the ball a lot. And he's very similar to Patrick Mahomes in certain ways, and maybe even to Sean Watson in that Russ is so unbelievably great at making plays out of nothing, but he has a tendency to do that or attempt to do that a little too much, which opens up the door for the pass rush to just eat. Like, if we're going to let Russ cook, let the defense eat. And based on what we saw against Pittsburgh, and specifically based on what we saw against San Francisco, I am expecting the defense to eat, and I'm expecting guys to get after Russell Wilson. I think the Giants sacked him five times. I don't see a reason why we can't match that. I don't. And unless this run game just becomes utterly insane overnight, I don't see a reason why we can't get to Russ at least four to five times, maybe even more than that. We've proven to be unstoppable at the edge, especially the way we're playing now. So expect a big day from the defense. The offense is going to be a little different. It is a Wednesday now. We have no idea who is going to be starting at quarterback for us. That's kind of, I couldn't really ask Lofa 
uh, any questions about our quarterback situation because we don't even know who's going to end up starting. And because we have a snow day right now in Virginia, the media isn't at practice today. So they can't really, they don't have a whole lot of uh, uh, info as to what is going on, but we don't know who's going to be playing quarterback for us. Obviously, I would love to see Alex Smith back there. I think he gives us the absolute best opportunity to win. But if we go into the week knowing that Dwayne Haskins is going to be the guy and preparing As if Dwayne Haskins is going to be the guy. I am optimistic. I want to see what Dwayne can do. I thought it was good to see him out there against San Francisco, albeit uh, he didn't exactly play fantastic. But with a full week of preparation and against a Seattle defense that is a far cry from when they were winning Super Bowls, there might be something to see there. But I'm not in the business right now of really wanting that fairy tale story with the the comeback of Dwayne Haskins. I'm in the business of wanting to win this football game because the the electricity is is there, at least in the in my my fan my fan base head of how I perceive this team. This is the most excited I've been in years. I mean, maybe back to uh, the one time we we won the division with Kirk Cousins, but this is really the most excited I've been, especially for the defense, since 2012. And the defense is winning us football games right now, which we knew was going to happen. We just didn't know that they were going to do it against good teams. They did it against Pittsburgh. They did it against San Francisco. And Nick Mullins isn't exactly the greatest quarterback in the world. Trust me, I get it. But the defense won that football game, and it was a big FU to Kyle Shanahan, at least in my mind. It was an even bigger FU to all of the dudes that were slipping and sliding in the mud last year, even if at least one of them, because I think one of them was Bosa, uh, wasn't actually playing in the game this past weekend. That was a big-time win for us. I think we're carrying that momentum, and quite frankly, I I really don't know how good Seattle is. Like I really don't. If if Russ isn't throwing for four touchdowns, I think they're an easily beatable team, and I think the momentum that we have right now is really going to carry us. Uh, we are seeing a change culturally inside of our locker room. I, mean, I think it was Julie Donaldson that tweeted earlier in the week, even on an off day, even on an off day, well over half of the team in the facility, lifting, getting treatment, stretching out, getting their body right, That is not something that we saw take place over the first half of the season. It's those little differences that really have me pumped and amped up. We're not playing for draft picks like I thought we were going to do after we lost to New York the second time. The turnaround has been insane. The train is moving, and I don't think it stops at Seattle. I think we go through Seattle. I think we beat them. And I think there's a realistic chance we finish this season nine and seven. So as far as a score prediction for this weekend, I'm taking the football team. I don't think it'll be exceptionally high scoring. We'll go 24 to 20. I think we beat Seattle. I think we keep this thing moving. And I think we are well on pace to end up winning the NFC East which is a crazy line that I never thought I would be saying in mid-December 2020, but here we are. I'd love to know your thoughts. I'd love to know your reactions. What did you think of the conversation we had with Lofa Tatupu? Hit me up on Twitter at The Denton Day. Enjoy the game this weekend. I'll see you next week. Peace. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.